Amen. He is in this place today. So thankful for the beautiful touch of the Lord and so thankful to be in a place uh, with a God that knows what he's doing. Amen. Do you know he's on the throne? And he's in control today. Oh, yes, he is. Amen. I heard about a young man that was, he was working uh, at a pharmacy. He was just there sweeping floors, doing that kind of thing. And, and uh, one day the pharmacist got called away on an emergency and they asked him, they said, you, you, you need to answer the phones while we're gone. He said, I don't know what I'm doing. He, they said, well, just pick up the phone and, and, and answer the phone when they, when they call. So somebody uh, shortly thereafter called and he picked up the phone and said, hello. And they started asking him something about some kind of special prescription, some technical pharmaceutical question. And he got to the end of the question and he told him, he said, sir, let me just tell you, it's like this. He said, when I picked up the phone and said, hello, he said, that was all I knew. I'm glad we're not in that kind of God's presence today. I'm glad he knows what he's doing. Amen. There's no telling what God wants to do in this place today. Is anybody hungry for the Holy Ghost to break into your heart and spirit? Amen, amen. So good to be here. So good to be here at No Limits 2013. And I'm just uh, honored to be here with this uh, great church, the great leadership of this church. And appreciate uh, Pastor Young so very much and uh, uh, Bishop Wilson and all this church. What a great church and what unbelievable hospitality. Amen. Uh, we got to the room. There wasn't just one basket. There was a basket for me. There was a basket for both my boys and my daughter, uh, little army men. I've been stepping on them all week. I owe you, Brother Diaz, or whoever that was. But thank you so much. It's so good to be here. Are you enjoying yourself this week? Amen. I believe the Holy Ghost is here to help us today. Amen. Amen. Appreciated the great word of the Lord uh, from the first uh, service, Brother Platania, and then Brother Bertram, Brother Wilson yesterday, Brother Young, and uh, looking forward to Brother Tiller, Brother Jackson. And uh, I will tell you this, my son's favorite preacher is preaching today. Well, hallelujah, isn't that sweet? It'd be sweeter if it was me, but it's not. It's Brother Tiller. <laughs> He saw him, ran to him, and gave him a big old hug, his favorite preacher. And so looking forward to that and all of this. Good to be here with my, my family. Love my mom and dad and my precious, precious wife. God has been so good to me. My boys, Trenton and Peyton, my little girl, Avalyn Grace, and my mother-in-law. Amen. I got the whole crew here. And uh, good to be here with church, uh, Inland Lighthouse Church Saints. Love you so much. And just good to be in the house of the Lord. So many friends that are here, but again, most importantly, I'm glad the Holy Ghost is here this morning. And I want God to talk to me today. Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, I would like to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, and we're going to begin reading with verse number 6. Matthew 26 and verse number 6. This passage of scripture that we're going to read today is known as the anointing of Jesus at Bethany. And I could read parallel passages in Mark and, and later in John, but I'm going to read from Matthew 26 and verse number 6. It says, Now when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box 
a very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? If you read in in John's account, he, he, he relays that the source of this indignation, the one that started the this, this conversation was Judas the betrayer, Judas that would sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. In fact, Judas that at the conclusion of this anointing would go out and seek to betray him. To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial of her. Today, for a little while, I want to preach on this subject. To what purpose is this waste? Let's pray today. I feel the Holy Ghost wanting to help somebody. Would you help me pray, church? Come on, saint of God. Every young person, I want you to lift your voice. Let's talk to the Lord today. We love you, Jesus. We need you today. And we believe you to do great, glorious, and powerful things. Would you touch us in the deepest part of our being, God? Would you reach down, touch young men, young ladies? Would you touch families today? Let the glory of God be upon preachers and pastors, young men and women with a desire to live for God. We'll be careful to give you praise and glory. We love you, Jesus. Let's love him one more time before we're seated. I love you, Jesus. I love you. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. We are in the presence of a great God today, and I, I think we have learned, and if you've not yet learned this, you will shortly, that God does not always think quite like we do. He does not, uh, he does not figure things the same way. He does not see them the same way. In fact, I would, I would venture to tell you that God's, even God's his, his number system, his, his mathematics, is not like our math. In fact, the Bible tells us uh, in, in the Word of the Lord in Matthew 19 and Mark chapter 10 that, that God uh, has a, a, an investment plan that is different than the world's investment plan, which ought to make somebody real happy today. I was looking a couple days ago at, this was just savings plans and, and the... the uh, if you have a savings account, the highest return that I saw was on an online bank, and they were given 0.9% return on a savings account. That means if you put it in 10 bucks, you're going to get uh, 9 cents at the end of the year. Well, praise God. Isn't that wonderful? I'm glad to tell you today that God's math is not like that kind of math. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew 19 and Mark 10 that God gives not... 9% or, or 0.9% or even 100%, but the Bible says that God gives a hundredfold return. That is 10,000% return. 
How'd you like to invest your money in that kind of account? Amen. I like God's math. And I read in another place in the Word of God, it says that, that one in God's economy, one shall put a thousand to flight. Now, in man's world, I mean, you get a black belt in, in karate and, and you, 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 you know, get him worked out and ready to roll. He might be able to put two or three to flight. But my Bible says that one hooked up with Jesus will put a thousand to flight. But it doesn't stop there. It then says that two shall put, and I would, I would say if one puts a thousand to flight, if you're going to do the numbers, then two would put 2,000 to flight, but that's not what God says. He says, if one puts 1,000 to flight in God's economy, two shall put 10,000 to flight. I'm glad we serve that kind of a God today. Amen. The Bible says that a day, and you're going to have to ask somebody else to explain this, but for God, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. And the Bible gives us stories in, in Luke 15 where Jesus teaches that it makes sense to leave 99 sheep and go and look for one sheep. That's God's math. And he talks about somebody forgetting about one lost coin, and, or, or, or excuse me, nine coins that are found safely in the pocket of the woman of the house. And, and, and forgetting about those nine and going and looking for one lost coin and almost ignoring one son that's in the house that, that hasn't been lost uh, uh, and then throwing a party for one son that has come home. I tell you, God's math is not like our math. And the Bible says further that the angels of God rejoice over one sinner that repents, almost ignoring the billions that are lost. I just want to sum it up by telling you, his thoughts are not our thoughts, and his ways are not our ways. As high as the heaven above the earth, so are his thoughts above our thoughts and ways. I don't know about you, but I want to leave the math and the thinking in the hands of God. Oh, hallelujah. Amen, amen. We read in the word of the Lord today about, about a group of disciples that were led by a man by the name of Judas. They did not see things through God's eyesight. They certainly were not figuring things up using God's mathematics. And, and we read about Judas Iscariot. He, he sees this this story unfold that we read today, this woman coming and anointing Jesus' feet, and, and, and he missed everything that was going on. He, he was looking through carnal eyes. All he could see was the money. He, he kept the bag, John says. That means he was the treasurer for the disciples, and so that was the lens that he saw his world through. And, I, and that, that's why he made this statement. He said, I don't understand this. To, to what purpose is this waste? And he made the statement that, that this could have been sold for 300 uh, pence. And, and, and I, I do want to be a little bit charitable to Judas today. I, I don't think numbers are wrong. And I'll just confess I'm a, a little bit of a numbers guy myself. And when I come, this is not really good, but it's, you know, confession's good for the soul, I guess. But when I, I come to church quite often, one of the first things I start doing, and God forgive me, is, is, is I can't hardly really shut this part of my brain off. I start counting 
the people that are there. And I'll count how many are in a section and I'll multiply that section times the number of sections and, and, and figure it up. It's, it's in my brain. And and uh, doesn't mean I'm good at it. It just means that's how I, I, I think. And, and and somebody gives a statistic while they're preaching. And, and I again, I'm not necessarily good at it, but I start thinking, is that... Is that right? Is that real? Could that happen? And, and, uh, and probably not always good to do. But, um, and, and, and so you, you evaluate these things. And I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's not always wrong to be thinking about numbers. There's a book of the Bible that deals with numbers. And, 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 but, but we do need to be careful of getting that spirit that was in Judas that, that was only concerned about numbers that only cared about the bottom line. And the only thing he could see was immediate right now results. And I want to balance this today. You got to hear me. You got to hear me. I, I want results when I pray. I want to tell you up front, I'm interested in the blessings of God. Amen. And in fact, I'll just tell you, if you're not interested in the blessings of God, there is something wrong with you. Amen. When I hear scriptures like I heard last night, Proverbs 10 and 22, a scripture that has fascinated me since I was a teenager that says, and oh, I hope you're listening. It says, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow with it. I tell you, I want the blessings of God. When I hear scriptures like Malachi 3 and 10 that say, prove me now herewith, saith the Lord. If I will not pour you out a blessing, open the windows of heaven that you'll not have room enough to receive it. When I read Deuteronomy 28, which talks about blessing, and it says, blessed shall you be in the city. And then it says, blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of that body. Blessed shall be the fruit of the ground and blessed shall be thy cattle and blessed shall be the increase of thy kind and blessed shall be the flocks of thy sheep and blessed shall be thy basket and blessed shall be thy store blessed shalt thou be when you come in and blessed when you go out i tell you that fascinates me Oh, hallelujah. There ought to be something when you're reading in your Bible and there's a scripture that begins with the words blessed or blessed is the man or blessed is he. There ought to be something in your spirit that wakes up and says, God, I, I want that in my life. Amen. When you read through Matthew chapter 5, when it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I tell you, I want the blessings. I desire the blessings. I've got to have the blessings of God. Oh, do you want the blessings of God today? Amen. Hallelujah. I want to make it plain. I want results when I pray. I don't want to pray dead, sterile prayers and then just forget about them. I can't do that. I remember that I prayed something and there's a God in heaven and I know he can answer my prayer. I tell you, when I fast, I don't fast just to get hungry. I fast. In fact, I like eating too much just to waste a good meal. I fast because I want God to break the chains. When the sick comes down at our church, we anoint them with oil. And the elders gather around. We put our hands on their head. We pray in faith. When I pray for the sick, I want the sick to be healed. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Can I go a little bit further? 
In fact, I want to tell you, I believe my prayer works. I believe when I pray, Jesus hears me. Hallelujah. I tell you, I believe when I talk to him, there's an ear that's inclined unto me and he can answer my prayer. Amen. You can be seated today. I was listening the other day, a little plug for you, Brother Hoffer, to Holy Ghost Radio. And they had an old message by Brother Verbal Bean on there. And he was, he was preaching. And he was talking about when he, he said, when I'm driving down the road and I see some people doing heavy or working with heavy machinery in the dirt, he said, he said I tell you, it just does something to me. He said, I want to I get in there and I want to get on that biggest earth mover, mover that I can. He said, I don't, I don't want to be the guy following with a shovel, cleaning up the, the trench or the, the, the ditch. He said, I want to be up there and I want to get a hold of those levers. Those levers that when you pull that lever back, big things happen. Big things move. Big things change. That's the kind of prayer I want. Hallelujah. I don't want shallow prayer. I don't want cheap prayer that accomplishes nothing. Oh, I believe I'm preaching to some people today that know how to get a hold of the hem of his garment and grab a hold of the levers that move things. Amen. He went on to say, he said, when I, I'm flying in a plane, or he actually told a story. He said, I was flying in a plane. And he said, I don't really know what happened unless God let it happen. He said, uh, the, the pilot came out of the cockpit and came to the back where I was, or at least where he was sitting, and, and asked him if he'd like to go up and, and sit in the cockpit. Obviously, this is pre-911. And he went up there, and, 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 and he sat there. And he, he was talking about how that when you sit there, you, you're seeing things. The people are behind you. They don't, they don't have any clue that it's coming. He said, I'm sitting up there, and I'm seeing it before it ever happens. They're back there saying, what happened? And you've probably heard it before. There's, there's three types of people. There are those that make things happen. There are people that talk about things that happen. And then there's those that say, what happened? What happened? I don't want to be those that say, what happened? I want results when I pray. I want revival. I'll just tell you, I want souls. Preacher, souls are the fruit of the ministry. I don't want to be a barren tree. I don't want to be a tree that produces nothing. I refuse to be a preacher that produces nothing. And oh, I've got to have revival. My Bible says that of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. That means the church just keeps getting bigger and better. And that's what I want. I want results. I want bigger revival than I've ever had. I want a bigger revival next year than the one we had this year. I want more people to get the Holy Ghost next year than we did this year. I want more people to repent and be baptized this year than they did last year. I want my bus ministry to be bigger. I want the Sunday school to be bigger. I want the youth. I want it. I want it. I want it. Does anybody want power with God results? Oh, you ought to lift your hands and thank God from the bottom of your heart that we serve a great God today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. You can be seated. I tell you, I, I want results. I want results. But you better listen to me today. There is a mentality that can creep into our hearts and get a hold of our churches 
and get a hold of us preachers. Saints of God that, that, that will get a hold of you. Young man that will get a hold of you. It's a mentality that says, what, 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 what purpose is there in the waste? It's a mentality that measures everything. That calculates everything. That tries to figure out the spiritual things of God. Can I tell you, that's a dangerous place to be. Because you don't see everything that's happening. You only, with your eyes, you're only seeing what your eyes are seeing. And you're only hearing what your ears are hearing. There's literally millions and billions of things that are happening that you're missing. I tell you, that's why the scripture says this in Isaiah 11. It's a messianic prophecy about Jesus. It says he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes. He will not reprove after the hearing of his ears. And that's why Paul in 1 Corinthians said this, as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Your eyes don't see everything, but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. Can I tell you, there's some things you're only going to catch by the Holy Ghost. There, there's some things that are only going to make sense in the context of the moving of the Holy Ghost. And that's why Paul said, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Judas looking at this woman thinking, that's silly. What purpose is this waste? That, that doesn't make any sense. But Judas, I want to tell you, neither can you know them because they are spiritually discerned. And I can see that woman that we read about today staggering into that room. She was moved by something higher than what everybody else was seeing. She was on a higher plane that day. The weight of the cross was on her shoulder. She was driven by an impulse as powerful and as motivating as the blood of Jesus. When she went into that room, she had tears, I imagine, running down her face and probably had a wild look in her eye. She's running in. She comes in and she's looking all around. Where's Jesus? That's all I care about. I feel something weighing on me. Where's Jesus? And she runs and she doesn't, she doesn't bow, you know, calmly put a handkerchief down and put one knee and, and kind of pray a dignified prayer. But she fell on her face at the feet of Jesus. And the Bible says she was carrying an alabaster box that was very precious. And it had very precious ointment inside. And she took that and the Bible says that she broke it. I want you to notice, she didn't just uncork one end. She, she didn't just try to break one little edge so that it can be used later. But it was broken beyond repair, beyond recovery, shattered in a thousand pieces. And, and she didn't just dab a little bit of that ointment on, on his wrists and on his temples and say, that'll do you for now. But the Bible says she took it and she poured it out on his head. She held nothing back. And the Bible says that the fragrance filled the room. I want you to hear me now. When she walked into that room and poured herself out, everything stopped. 
idle conversation that was going on if if the sight of their eyes wasn't enough of this crazy woman breaking into a holy place and falling at Jesus' feet, then the sound of breaking glass she smashes that glass and if that wasn't enough that smell, that fragrance that holy smell that filled the room it got their attention and conversation stopped and idle conversation about the weather and insignificant things stopped a holy hush filled the room but there was one man that just just didn't get it that just couldn't see it he he was, he was thinking like a human calculator. He had the bag, and that's all he could see. He could see through the realm of numbers and money. He saw everybody as a number. He saw everything as money. Can I tell you, you need to beware of seeing souls as only money. Beware of seeing saints just as tithe payers. That's a dangerous place to be. Oh, God, this man had a critical attitude and he was judgmental. All he saw was an alabaster box. and All he smelled was a pound of very costly and very precious spikenard. And all he could think of was it's 300 pence. 300 pence. That's a lot of money. And, and instantly the calculator starts cranking. 300 pence. That could feed and clothe this many children for this many days. And Judas had the bag. That's all he could see. That's all he could understand. And, 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 and it's interesting to me that Matthew, Mark, and John, they all talk about this story. And all of them include the idea that Judas was he that betrayed the Lord. I don't think it's by coincidence that both Matthew and Mark in this story, this this, this incident in the life of Jesus with Judas going directly from this place and going out to betray the Lord. Can I tell you, consistently reducing spiritual things to carnal thinking, carnal eyesight, carnal hearing, carnal thinking can lead to betrayal if you're not careful. I got to ask you some questions. Why did Judas see it differently? Was it because he was more intelligent than everybody else? Was he more intelligent than the other disciples? Was he more intelligent than Jesus or Paul that wrote 1 Corinthians 2? I read a few minutes ago. No, the reason he saw that story differently was he was looking with carnal eyes. And to the carnal eyes, 2 plus 2 always equals 4. In God's economy, however, 2 plus 2 doesn't always equal 4. I told you already, two plus two sometimes can equal a thousand. One will put a thousand to flight, and two will put ten thousand to flight. Amen. Hallelujah. And Judas thought he was being so profound, but can I tell you, Judas, you're not being profound. You're dabbling in the most simple things. and you're, you're not deep or experienced. You're being shallow and immature because my Bible says the wisdom that is, that is earthly is it, it is sensual and it's devilish and, and it doesn't come down from above beware of that kind of wisdom beware of sitting on a pew and trying to figure everything out with just your mind but my bible says the wisdom that comes from above first is pure and it's 
peaceable and it's gentle. I want that kind of wisdom. It's easy to be entreated. It's full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. But Judas, you're straining at a gnat and you're swallowing a camel. Judas, I've already warned you. Judge not that you be not judged for with what judgment ye judge, you shall be judged. Doesn't say don't judge necessarily. We got to judge righteous judgment. Just be aware that the scales you use, that's the scales you're going to be weighed upon. And Judas, if you want to be weighed on the measure of numbers, you're going to be weighed on the measure of numbers. And Judas, when you betray him, everybody's going to always think about you in terms of 30 pieces of silver. When you betray him, it was 30 pieces of silver. When you, before you died, you went and tried to give it back. And twisting in the wind, you died with 30 pieces of silver. That's all we can see you through. And when they buried you, they took that money up. They didn't know what to do with it, but they said, well, he's interested in numbers by a field. Put him in the field. And they cut him down. And in his death, we equate Judas with 30 pieces of silver. I got to ask you, whatever happened to the bag that Judas carried, I don't know. But I will tell you this, it really didn't matter. It never mattered. Judas, your questions of what is the purpose of the waste is because you're seeing things through the wrong eyes. But Jesus answers in Matthew 26 and Mark 14. And he begins to explain the purpose of the waste. He tells them, I'm being anointed for my burial. This woman is catching the power and the drift of Calvary. That's what's going on. But no limits. Listen to me today. Jesus doesn't always explain these things. He doesn't always take us aside. He doesn't always explain the purpose to the waste. I want to tell you, David said it in Psalm 42, and I want you just to catch what I'm preaching for the next couple of minutes now. You know I want results. You know I want the blessings of God. You know I want a bigger, greater revival than we've ever had. But David spoke of things like this in Psalm 42. He said, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. David said, my soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? And then he said, and I want you to hear this. God, drive this into our spirit. He said, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. Can I tell you, our prayer doesn't always need to be results driven. Yes, we want results. Yes, we want God to answer our prayers. But there needs to be times of going to God and pouring out our soul to him. Our prayer ought not always to be guilt-driven. I've got to pray. I've got to pray. And there, there's, there's nothing wrong sometimes with just saying, I've got to pray. But not every time you fall to your knees, you ought to sometimes just fall and pour out your soul to him. Not every time you pray should it be schedule driven. Not every time you pray should it be trying to fit that one hour into the 24 hours of your day. I know the tyranny of a schedule. I know what that's like. I've got a family. I've got children and you do too. And you've got a schedule. And young people, you're busy. You may be the busiest generation ever to this point. But I've come to tell you, there is a time for sitting down at the 
table of the Lord with Jesus and you alone. Just you and him in intimate conversation. Nobody else is invited. Not the church. Not even your friends. Not even your family. Not your wife. Not even your children sometimes. Just you and Jesus as you put your face in the carpet and tears run down your face and you say, I love you, Jesus. I'm not asking for anything today. I love you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I believe that's what Paul was getting at in Philippians 3 when he began to put some things in the balance and the scales. Things like the fact that he was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. He went on to say that concerning, or, uh, concerning zeal persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, he was blameless. He's putting all this stuff in the scale and he says, but all of this, I count it but loss. And I believe the reason for that is found in verse 9 number uh, 10 of this chapter. When, 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 when Paul says the reason for this is not that I can read or write uh, one half of the New Testament. The reason I'm, I've, I've counted all this but loss is not that I can be the Gentile uh, uh, apostle that propagates the gospel to the world and start churches all over Asia Minor. But the reason I count this but loss is this that I may know him I'm preaching to somebody today we got to spend those times where it doesn't make a whole lot of sense there's not a whole lot of purpose to it just you and Jesus and you pour out your soul to him we don't always and I don't mean to be unkind I'm preaching to me today I don't want to always have my hand in God's back pocket when I pray I don't always want to have an ulterior motive when I pray. I want there to be times of fellowship. Times of just me and Jesus. I tell you, young people, if you can get a hold of that today, you'll change your whole world. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I read about a young lady by the name of Esther. She had a problem. Her, her, her life was in danger. In fact, her family was in danger. In fact, her whole people group was in danger of being killed. She had a real motive to go to the king. But when the scepter was lowered, I want you to notice what she did. She put on her best clothes. She put on the nicest perfume. She made the food that the king wanted. I believe she made the, per the, the music he liked on the stereo. And when he walked into that place, it was just like he wanted it. But I want you to notice, even though she had this need, the Bible lets me know that this first time, she didn't ask for anything. She just said, King, I got one thing I want. Would you come back? W would you come back another time and, and meet me in this place? And then she offered her petition at that other time. But there need to be times that, that we prepare ourselves for Jesus. We need to get ourselves ready and get ourselves right. Pray, oh God, I want to please you today. And get him in that special place, that table of communion. Just you and Jesus, nobody else. And when he sits across the table from you, take your hand out of his pocket. Get your hand off his billfold and just say, Jesus, can we spend some time together today? Hallelujah, I'm not where I need to be with this, but I tell you, this is something, young people, if you can just get it, there is nothing like being in his presence. 
There is nothing like touching Jesus. There is nothing like the overflow of the Holy Ghost. There is nothing like you and him together. If this generation can get that revelation, it's not about what I can get. It's not about the numbers, but I want to pour out my soul unto him. Oh, let's love him right now. Come on, let's love him right now. Come on, let's love him right now. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. I feel the presence of the Lord in here today. Hallelujah. I'm almost done. I'm not going to preach too much longer today. But can I warn somebody today? And I, I, I'm probably not in position to do this. But I'm going to preach it because I feel it. We ought not always study the Word just to get a sermon or a message. We ought not always study the Bible, read the Bible, because our pastor has us on a one-year bread program to read the Bible through. Young people, the only time you are, not, not the only time you read your Bible, it shouldn't be the only time when you're studying for a Sunday school class or a Bible study. But you need to get the attitude that Jeremiah had. Jeremiah said this. He said, thy words were found. He said that I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of mine heart. For I'm called by thy name. You need to get the word of God in you. I tell you, it's great. It's powerful. It's glorious. Can I remind you, it was the word of God that created everything that is and everything that is not. It's the word of God that does like Isaiah said. He stretched out the heavens like a curtain and he set it up like a tent. You ever went camping, you pop that thing up? That's what God did with the word. Imagine what that kind of word can do in your heart and mind. Oh, hallelujah. I heard, I heard Brother Wilson say this not too long ago. And it struck me so hard. He said, you know, in, in high school, we've all asked the question. You're sitting in chemistry class, and they're, they're talking about endothermic and exothermic reaction, and you're going, what in the world? And sometimes we actually raise the hand and say, what in the world? Ask the professor, what does this have to do with real life? Can I tell you, that kind of thinking sometimes can mess you up bad when you're living for God. Because there needs to be times of getting in the Word. And you don't even understand it all the time. But it can begin to stretch and expand your spirit. It'll broaden you. Young man, get a hold of this. I don't always just want to study the Word because it's what I'm supposed to do. I want to pour out my soul. And I'm going to end with this. Musicians, come on up. I'm going to give Brother Tiller a long time for my son's favorite preacher. But we, even our worship sometimes, if we're not careful, it'll be driven by what can I get from God. And I believe there's, there's value to that. I've preached that if you worship, it'll tear down walls. Does anybody believe that Jericho fell down? Because some people in obedience to the word walked around. And on that seventh day, they lifted their voice. And they began to worship and praise God. I tell you, if you've got walls that need to come down today, there ain't nothing wrong with you getting out in the aisle and stomping your foot, lifting your hands and shouting for joy. It'll tear walls down. Amen. And I preached that worship gets God's attention. 
I believe that. I want God's attention. I read in Matthew 8 where there was a leper that needed to be healed. He came and the Bible says when he came to Jesus, the first thing he did, he fell at his feet and worshiped him. But I don't want all my worship just be just about trying to get God's attention, trying to distract him from everything else. Then he'll just stare at me. I want more than that. Amen. I preach that worship will get you through a trial. I believe that today. I read in the book of Job where Job was going through a terrible trial. But he got to the point in the middle of that trial where he said these words. He said, the Lord giveth and the Lord hath taken away. But blessed, blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. And 42 chapters later, he comes shouting out of his trial. God's been good. God brought me through. But I want to tell you, there is a time, and I want you to hear me as I end this message, for lifting your hands and your spirit and worshiping God, not just because you want him to tear down walls or to get you through a trial. There's something about worshiping God, like we read in Psalm 150, verse 2, where he says, praise him according to his excellent greatness. There's something about doing like we read in Psalm 100, oh, verse 4 and 5, where it says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. And the reason is not just so God will give me a better job and not just so God will touch my wife or child or God will do something for me or God will bless me. But we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and we enter into his courts with praise. We bless his name for the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. Jesus, sit down right here. Sit at this table right here. Right here, Jesus. Just me and you. Turn off my phone, Jesus, because I don't want to get any calls right now. I know I got to do stuff later, Jesus. I, I can't get out of it. It's life. and I, I know I need to. I, I want things to happen in the church, but Jesus. <laughs> Would you sit down at this table right here? It's just you and Jesus alone. As you pour out pour out pour out broken beyond repair there's no recovery from that kind of encounter broken poured out before the Lord I tell you there's power there's strength there's purpose in that kind of waste let's lift our hands let's lift our hands let's love the Lord together to love the Lord together. Come on, pour out your soul. I feel the Holy Ghost here. Pour out your soul. Lift your voice to heaven and give the Lord some praise. Why don't you just pour it out right now before the Lord? Somebody cry aloud unto the Lord. Jesus. Jesus, I wonder if some young ministers could just cry out unto the Lord right now. Matter of fact, why don't we just come to this altar now? We have plenty of time. Let's just come before the Lord and, and talk to Him. 
Let's get intimate with the Lord Jesus this morning. Dwell in your presence. 